0: Ironically enough, the first time and the and eight out of the nine times it shows up in the Old Testament, and it shows up in the book of Jeremiah. Only one time in the book of Ephesians does it show up in the New Testament. And if you go by the law of first mention, uh, the first time the word pastor is mentioned, it has a negative connotation. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter number two. And this gives us a glimpse at what God doesn't want pastors to be. If you want to talk about qualifications, the Old Testament seems to lay out what you shouldn't do. And we'll get Jeremiah 2, look at verse number 7. The Bible says, And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land, and made mine heritage an abomination. The priest said not. Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal. And walked after things that do not profit. That's pretty bad news. You got any type of leader in the nation of Israel. Israel. They could care less about God and his law. That's a bad place for a nation to be, isn't it? So that's, that's a clue right there. Uh, don't be transgressing God's law. Uh, look at Jeremiah chapter number 10. This gives us some insight. And, uh, and I know this is Israel stuff, but we're just going to glean some application based on running the word search uh, in our Bible. Look at Jeremiah 10, and we'll get the 18th verse. We'll read a few verses here. The Bible says in Jeremiah 10, verse 18, For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once, and will distress them, that they may find it so. Woe is me for my hurt. My wound is grievous, but I said, Truly, this is a grief, and I must bear it. My tabernacle is spoiled and all my cords are broken. My children are gone forth of me and they are not. There is none to stretch forth my tent anymore and to set up my curtains. Why? Well, verse 21, for the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. The pastors are brutish. Now, wouldn't you think in a New Testament church that the first qualification for a pastor really should be that he seeks the Lord? (laughs) You know how many things pastors uh, in in this uh, so-called carnival Christianity that we see through America today? uh, I I, I listened to some sermons throughout the week from some of these um, big mega outfits. I didn't hear the Bible cracked once. I listened to a 30-minute sermon. The Bible wasn't opened one time. It was a story. How are you seeking the Lord if you're telling stories? Now, if you want to make application into the text, but if the history of the Bible isn't good enough, then what do you think? Another story is going to fill in the void that people have? We We need to seek the Lord, and it starts with, the preachers seeking the Lord. And we see what happens here back in Israel. The, the land isn't going to prosper. The people aren't going to prosper. Verse 22, behold, the noise of the brood has come and a great commotion out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Oh, Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. In the book of Jeremiah, that old prophet, he identifies himself with the sorrow and the desolation of his nation. He just can't separate himself from it. And he pleads that, you know, God, Correct me, judge me. As his nation, as he watches his nation where he gets, he gets no results from. Fall deeper and deeper and deeper into idolatry. Now, isn't that where we are in America? America. I mean, if you think about little, small, Bible-believing churches like ourselves, and you think about them just scattered here, a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, as we plead with people who in droves, now, now, that, now that the football season is kicking up, you know that stadiums that can fit 50, 60,000 people, Will be filled on a Sunday. And a Bible believing church might bring in 30, 40, 50, maybe 300. That's a sad day in America. It's a sad day. That was Jeremiah's life. The people didn't listen, pastors became brutish. Man is brutish, and, and so are these pastors. And that word is defined like a beast, dumb, carnal, a savage with no feelings, ignorant and untaught. You don't have to turn there, Proverbs 12, 1, It says, whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Now, that's a pretty good Bible definition of what it means to be brutish, someone that just hates reproof. Now, I'm telling you, you got to be real careful. We all have to be real careful. And if you're listening online, you need to be real careful. You can't just pick somebody that you like on YouTube and all automatically say, man, that's a, that's just a great pastor. You don't know anything about that man. You don't know anything about his character. We just tend to latch on to something that we we tend to have something in our mind that we like and we agree with. And then we find a long distance guru or a preacher and we just kind of latch onto that. Look, I've got my favorite preachers and and authors and writers, and so do you. And I watch them, and so do you. There's something about being in a New Testament local church that allows us all to get to know each other, that allows us all to have inbuilt accountability because real full-time relationships are being developed. And I'm telling you, We need to be careful of this idea that gets permeated out of some Bible institutes and some seminaries that now that you've got your little certificate and your robe and your ring, that somehow you're above God and you're above God's people and nobody can tell you what to do because now you're the man of God. I'm telling you, that's, that's Jeremiah 10. That's a brutish man. Nobody is above God. Nobody is above God's word. A mature preacher, a mature pastor, should be able to hear some corrections. Some I don't like that. I it's a sign of it's a sign of weak character. If you have to go around forcing everybody through brutish strength to get in line with the man of God. And I don't care what you heard out of Hammond, Indiana. It's not the way it should be. That's not the Vatican. It permeates itself in some independent Baptist circles or camps or whatever you want to title it. That's not the way God set it up. Brutish, forceful, driving attitudes are not what God wants for his church. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Paul says under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, be followers of me. And then there's a comma there, not a period. <laughs> because Paul knows, now it's the Holy Spirit speaking. And inspired of the Holy Spirit. Be followers of me, even as as I also am of who? Christ. Who should we all be following? Christ. This is why you'll hear me say, and all the time, and I'll keep pounding it, I do my best to give you what the Bible says. God's word is the final authority, and you take... My comments and what I say, and you filter it through the word of God, but you only follow me. I only follow you as far as you are following Christ. And if I'm not following Christ. Look, we're all in the boat and you start rowing for Christ and I start rowing for Christ. We're going to get somewhere. But you stop rowing for Christ. I'm going to get out of the boat. (laughs) I stop rowing for Christ. It's time for you to get out of the boat. Why? Because our eyes shouldn't be on each other. Our eyes should be on following Christ. And that is how a church moves forward through the rapids, of, through the turmoil and the rapids of some some disagreements here, some misunderstanding there, a little bit of rub here, a little bit of, uh, you know, personality conflict there, a little bit of, man, that bothered me. How do we get through all of that? Be followers of Christ is how we get through all of it. You know, all of you have been saved for a good bit of time, most of you in this room. You know through experience that any long-term relationship that you are in comes with it some rubs. This is why you can go out to a restaurant and you can enjoy a meal because you only have to have a 20 minute relationship with that server. (laughs) And then the relationship ends. This is why you can go to a weekend Bible conference and you can get along with everybody and you think it's the greatest thing in the world because the relationship ends in three days. You try being Jeremiah happen to deal full time with that nation and watching the brutish character. Go to Acts seventeen. Acts chapter seventeen. If we all follow Christ, we have built-in accountability. And watch how else we have built-in accountability. Acts 17, verse number 11. We all know this verse. Uh, Let's start at verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Now, why were the brethren from Berea more noble than the brethren from Thessaloniki? Two reasons. In that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Notice it doesn't say they corrected the word. They altered the word. They got involved in some type of big scholarship movement to try to figure out where the errors are. And they didn't correct the word. They received the word with all readiness of mind. You want to know how we can be more noble? We just receive what the Lord has for us. In the word of God, if we have a final authority and if it says what it says and if it means what it says, let's just receive it with all readiness of mind. And it's real theological, but basically it means your mind is ready to receive what the word of God says. And then the other reason is, which is the, 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 the bigger takeaway, they search the scriptures on Sunday morning between 11 and 11.45. <laughs> Whether these things were so. No, that would be not receiving the word. That would be changing the word. They searched the scriptures daily. You know what that means? You don't have to go to any Greek text. You don't have to go to any Hebrew text. That means every day. <laughs> they read their Bibles every day. Do you read your Bible every day? Do you have a devotional in the form of A, reading, or B, uh, devotional, or C, a uh, question and answer, or D, a deep word study, a chapter study, a book study, a character study, and fill in the blank? a daily Bible reading where you read the Bible through the whole year. Is that you? Now, if we want to have a strong New Testament, true biblical church, this is how it starts. The people receiving the word and daily searching the scriptures. It can't be, let's get something off the Sunday school teacher, the preacher, and then we'll see if this can ride us through the week. Make sense? Okay. Am I firing too many pistols this morning? I don't know. If everybody, we good? If you're good, say amen. So I know we're not. Okay. All right. I don't want to go too much here. All right. OK. They judged righteously and the scriptures were their final authority. Go back to Jeremiah. Let's look at Jeremiah 12. Jeremiah chapter number 12. Look at verse 10. Boy, oh boy. More negative connotation. God does not want pastors that are destroyers. Jeremiah twelve ten. Many pastors have destroyed my vineyard. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. Somebody that is a destroyer is not qualified to be a pastor. When you say this is Old Testament, Yeah, I know it's Old Testament. I know it's Israel stuff. But we're running the word and we're going to make some practical application to today. You can't be a reckless invader who just breaks in, tears down all of the fences, and expect God and God's people to be pleased. God's not going to be pleased and his people will end up desolate spiritually. And that is what happened with the nation. They started getting into idolatry and it was their downfall. And it's the downfall of America, American carnival Christianity. Their downfall is they love the world. They love worldly preachers. They love worldly music. They love worldly dress codes. They love worldly stages. They love worldly everything. And you have buildings filled with thousands of people And the place is desolate. We're out in the religious fair at Tech. And I'm telling you, there's about a half a dozen churches that were represented there where you could actually know for sure what the gospel was. About a half a dozen out of about 35 or 30. And you have the new priest that's in town, one of these uh, outfits that comes and introduces. And you're thinking, when I say priest, that it would be a man. No, it was a priestess. And they don't introduce themselves as priestesses. As a woman, they don't even understand the gender identities. They don't say, hey, I'm I'm the new prophetess. I'm the new prophet, and it's a woman. They don't say, I'm the new priestess. They say, no, I'm the new priest at St. So-and-so's. And And it took everything that I had, (laughs) every amount of the Lord restraining my flesh to say, But you're a woman. (laughs) What do you mean you're the new priest? You're a lady. I know some of you, it's shocking to hear, but God wants men to be pastors, not women. Well, that's mean. It's not me. It's receiving the word with all readiness of mind and just saying, God, I am OK with the gender you gave me. God, I am OK with the role that you put me in. And if my wife and I switched roles, the whole home would go into chaos. And that is what has happened with the church. And. And. The vineyard's been destroyed. It's been destroyed. And that nation ended up in a desolate wilderness. And if you look at um, verse number 15, I'll show you the prophetic here. Uh, A lot of it here is prophetic. Look at verse 15 in chapter 12. And it shall come to pass... After that I have plucked them out, I will return, that's the Lord, and have compassion on them, that's the Lord, and will bring them again, that's the Lord, every man to his heritage and every man to his land. Um, And this is going to occur when the Lord returns. But that nation was left desolate. Go to Jeremiah 22, we'll look at another place the word pastor shows up. And again, a negative connotation. Jeremiah 22, 22, verse 22. My, my, my. God doesn't want wicked pastors. The wind shall eat up all thy pastors, and thy lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then shalt thou be ashamed and confounded. For all thy wickedness. Jeremiah chapter 2 is concerning the kings of Judah and all of the idolatry that they have been given over to. And God's saying, you're going to vanish away. In other words, you're going to be depastured. pastured <laughs> God's just going to eat them up. It don't matter if you're a king, don't matter if you're a priest, doesn't matter what type of authority you have, God's going to eat them up with the wind and just blow them away. It's a bit of wordplay here. The wind shall eat up all the pastors, and thy lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then shalt thou be ashamed and confounded in all thy wickedness. A pastor we know is supposed to feed the sheep instead they're going to be fed on and it serves as a warning to any leader especially pastors who would dare to just drive the flock instead they're going to be driven into exile and in the context here uh, it was by the Chaldeans driven right into captivity What's the application for today? Be real, real careful of just forcefully driving people. Because you yourself, my myself, will end up being the ones driven into exile. Be real, real careful. God doesn't want wicked pastors with wicked agendas. Most of what we looked at so far has to do with the character of a man. That's a pretty high standard. That we all should strive. And I would dare say we can make application right now, each and every one of us. Lord, man, the Lord, may not have called you to pastor. Pastor but he has called you to lead and whether that's at your work or whether that's at your home you have a high calling to lead with good character and oftentimes we try to go to the bible and look at the qualifications or what a pastor should be to make sure he's right but wouldn't it be a good idea if we all tried to strive to be that right? <laughs> to, to have that type of high character. And if that's the case, tell me that wouldn't be a driving force in a New Testament church. You know what is lacking in most, most churches, what is lacking most is male leadership. And I don't i I don't mean the men in this room this morning. I'm talking about we're we're drawing the lens back. you know one of the reasons why I think God calls for male leadership and he asks and he calls in some places in the Bible for the women to remain silent and not usurp the authority of the man. You know why I, I, I believe it's in there? One of the reasons why? It forces the man to step up. <laughs> it really does. You ask for volunteers for something, most times you're going to have the ladies put their hand up first. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying, I think God put something in place to kind of nudge the men into tag, you're it. (laughs) Step up and do something. Step up and lead. I remember a few years back, this fella called me up and, and we had a discussion about He had to make some serious decisions for his life, what he was going to do. He felt he was called to preach and didn't know what he was going to what he was going to do. And and so the first thing I asked him, I said, where is your wife at with this whole thing? You know what the man told me? He said, my wife told me that she will support me in whatever decision that I make. And she's fine either way. I said, well, tag, you're it, buddy. (laughs) I guess you're going to have to man up, step up, and make a decision. Now, tell me, it isn't a lot easier for us fellows to say, honey, what do you want to (laughs) do? Right? Because we don't want to make the decision, because if it goes south, we want to say it's your fault. Now, that's some good preaching on a Sunday school. I don't know if it's too early for that or not, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. You know what God said, ladies? Let them make the decision. Let them be a man. And we've got too many 20 year olds and 30 year olds that are shopping in the men's section for clothing, but they're actually little boys. And they need to be able to man up and make some serious decisions about their families. And about the direction that their life is going to go. So the women don't have to. Take the women out of her role because you can't perform your role. Happy Sunday. <laughs> Good morning. Right? I mean, men, we can say amen. All right. We don't have to. We, we can do it. We can do it. Okay. Jeremiah 23. There's good news. Just might not hit it this morning. Jeremiah 23. Look at verse one. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Man, I don't know. People come, people go. Half the time, I'm a nervous wreck up here, especially when new folks come. I don't want to be the object of scattering the sheep. I don't want to come across too hard. I don't want to come across too soft. I don't want to say something to offend somebody. I don't want to not say something because I'm afraid I might offend somebody. You're better off just being an evangelist, just traveling from town to town and just, <laughs> good to see you, Brother Joe. All right, we'll go down to the next town. Good to see you. <laughs> because any Bible-believing preacher, he doesn't want to be the object lesson of the sheep scatterer. It's always a balancing act. So what do you got to do? I think you just got to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. But God does not want pastors that are sheep scatterers. Or Sister Caroline, the term she has coined was don't beat the sheep. <laughs> God don't want that. You don't want a sheep beat. You beat them, They scatter. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people, you've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. You know what you got to do as a pastor? You got to visit people. If they're down and out, you got to go visit them. These young fellows, they come fresh out of some Bible Institute and they get some pet rally talks and they all of a sudden they're called to preach. And then they, they, they want to when it's when it's called to preach, that means they're behind a pulpit yelling and screaming at people. My question is, does it ever register in their mind that they should actually care for someone? Does anybody that's 20 or 25 or 30 or 35 that says God has called me to preach, is the next action step for them to say to their pastor, hey, who in the church needs a visit? Who can I go care for? Who can I go pray with? Who can I go sit on the front porch with for 10 minutes? And get to know just a little bit better. It's a high calling. And this nation's being rebuked. They're just scatterers. They're destroyers. Verse 3, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. Again, we're looking at prophecy here and I will... Set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Now that remnant of Israel, it's going to be gathered out all of all countries. And notice, notice sheep of my pasture, notice feed my people, notice my flock. What did these wicked destroyer pastors, leaders do? They drove them. Whose flock is it? The Lord's. Whose people is it? The Lord's. I shouldn't be against you. You shouldn't be against me. I shouldn't drive you. You shouldn't drive me. Why? Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We're going to have to do part two tonight, but we belong to the Lord. You don't belong to me, and I belong to the Lord, and I don't belong to you, and you belong to the Lord. We, as sheep, belong to the Lord. He wants us together with unity. All right, I'm going to start to finish out, and then we'll, we we covered the negative this morning. This evening, we'll cover the positive. Positive. So let me just say this. God does not want pastors who drive the flock into the ground. We have right now. After thinning the flock. We have 12 head of sheep. And we just moved them from our back pasture. To our front pasture. So they can free feed on some different grass. Because our job is to feed them. So when you get a pasture starts to thin out, you got to get them over to a new one. Now, how many of you know how high a sheep can jump? How many of you think they can jump over two foot? How many of you think they can jump over three foot, put your hand up. How many of you think they can jump over four foot? How many of you think they can jump over five feet? Yeah, they actually can. When they get stressed out. Now we have 48 or 51 inch uh, fencing when you account for the barbed wire. If you don't stress those sheep out, and drive them to the brink of stressful insanity they'll never get out of that fence but if you stress them enough now not only can they get out of the fence but they will be damaged and harmed in the process because they'll get so stressed they'll try to jump they'll get themselves hung up in the fence they'll get themselves cut on the barbed wire and it just Because you've got a shepherd that is just driving them so hard that it brings them to the brink of insanity. And that is not what you do with sheep. And that is not what pastors do with God's flock. That'll split people apart. That's not what God wants. What he wants is this, look at verse 4 in Jeremiah 23, and we'll stop here. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Now for the nation, God's prophetically going to fulfill that. But for some application for us today, we're not Israel, we're the church, but for application for us today, God's flock should be fed.